0: Welcome to the MarTech
2: Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss digital marketing acquisitions as a strategy. Joining us is Niahani, who is the Chief Strategy Officer at Tenuity, which is the largest independent performance marketing firm with expertise across various channels, including streaming TV, Google, Meta, and Amazon, managing over $3 billion in digital media and employing over 1,200 marketing professionals. Yesterday, Nia and I talked about MarTech strategy in a nutshell, and today we're going to continue the conversation talking about MA as a marketing strategy. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Nia Hani, the Chief Strategy Officer at Tenuity. Nia, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
1: Great to be back.
2: Always good to see you, my friend. Likewise. Yesterday, we started boiling the ocean talking about MarTech strategy as a nutshell, and look we've both come a long way together you were in seo got into shopping comparison had your company acquired and now you're working in m&a and so as much as martech and marketing is interesting and it is definitely your background it's not what you're doing today today so talk to me a little bit about how companies are approaching m&a and how are they thinking about it as a marketing strategy
1: Absolutely. So it probably would make sense for me to kind of level set around what my role is at Tenuity as our chief strategy officer. And so, you know, I was fortunate enough to sell our agency to Tenuity back in 2018. We grew our agency performance marketing firm up to about 160 employees and through the integration process was able to define a role around strategy for our organization. And the way we really think about strategy at Tenuity is that it's around how we work on the things that are going to impact our clients, our agency or our industry 13 months out in the future and build relationships to be able to solve those challenges. So for Tenuity today, what that really means is data and data strategy partnerships, both with our large partners like Google, Meta and Amazon, as well as emerging technologies and then corporate development. So when it comes to how Tenuity thinks about corporate development, It's really around what are the services or capabilities that our clients need to be able to better tell their stories to their consumers in the future? And where is there an opportunity for us to introduce a solution faster to our clients through an acquisition versus developing it ourselves? And that's the high level rubric that we use when we're evaluating where we need to make an M&A kind of investment. And then from there, we obviously evaluate opportunities based on your financial metrics, your cultural fits, and other components that drive the actual synergy. But the main thesis is where does our organization need to continue to develop capabilities to help our brands and our clients tell better stories to be able to connect with customers in a digital world? That's our main thesis, and that's what we're focused on solving.
2: So part of this is verticalization, hey, we're really good at Amazon and Google and Meta, but influencer marketing, podcasting, you made an acquisition in the connected television space. How do you start to think about what verticals to invest in? You're looking at the macro landscape. You can do podcasts or you can do influencers. How are you evaluating an industry or a vertical first before you pick the players?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and it's something that I talk to our team on during their onboarding because it's always the question like, why don't we acquire a metaverse company? Why don't we acquire a crypto company? You know, there can be brands that want to use those tools or technology to be able to communicate to the customer. But the driver for us is the 100 million MAU number. So when I say 100 million MAUs, it means that the platform has 100 million users, in the United States that are engaging with this platform every single month. And once a specific media hits that threshold, it's become quote unquote mainstream. And there probably is an opportunity for us to identify the ecosystem components, to figure out if there's an opportunity to do an acquisition for Tenuity, to help brands connect with consumers through that medium. So that's kind of the first bar that we look at, to say, great, there's something interesting going on here that's reached a certain scale, where if there are ecosystem participants, what is the opportunity to bring those participants onto the platform to be able to drive storytelling and communication with our brands?
2: All right, so you've got a threshold of 100 million monthly active users in a channel Help me benchmark that. It's a hard number for me to wrap my head around 100 million active users.
1: One out of every three Americans uses the platform.
2: Right. So connected TV is there now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if podcasting is 100 million monthly active users. I guess I should probably know if podcasting is over your threshold. (laughs) What are the other channels that are recently over 100 million or close to it?
1: Influencer marketing is an interesting one, because that's kind of a channel within the channel, because we're already in social, we already manage several hundred million dollars in media on social, but influencer marketing, there's a growing acceptance by the consumer that they're okay to hear about products from authentic voices.
2: Yeah, but how do you figure out who's a monthly active user? Like, yeah, influencers are reaching over a hundred million people, but that kind of blends into social.
1: Right. So that's where it becomes nuanced because the question isn't just like, great, there's over a hundred million active users on social. How many are getting in touch with influencers? More of a question is, can a authentic brand story be told there and are brands growing as a result of leveraging that particular tactic or that particular strategy on the channel? And the answer five years ago was no. Maybe there was Fashion Nova, maybe there's one or two other brands, Bang Energy, maybe that was it. But now in 2023, we've seen time and time again, numerous brands use that tactic on the channel to grow. So there's already the critical mass of users. Next question is, are brands being able to grow and tell their stories on the channel? The answer for the influence marketing is yes. But because it's not truly a platform, it's a tactic on a platform, Tenuity needs to be very, I don't want to use the word strategic, it's kind of self-evident.
2: We need a strategic strategy. <laughs>
1: We need to really understand what's happening there. Does it make more sense for us to acquire an influencer marketing firm that's reaching out to the Kim Kardashians and uh, Messies of the world? Or is there an opportunity for us to connect with UGC creators or user-generated content creators that can create content at scale that can be an authentic voice on those, on those channels? And so that's where it starts to get nuanced. And in every single ecosystem, you have a market map.
2: Is your lens purely digital or do you think about legacy channels like there might still be 100 million people that are reading newspapers or watching linear television?
1: I think with linear television, we do buy linear television. That was part of the Blissport acquisition. So they got their start in linear and they moved into digital. But we probably wouldn't have done that acquisition if they didn't have the streaming arm of that business. You need the growth. Right, exactly. The fact that they do linear was a great kind of base and that's how they built their business in the beginning. But now streaming is a larger component of that business than linear, but we have that kind of legacy. But we're not looking to buy a newspaper agency anytime soon. We're probably not looking at terrestrial radio anytime soon. We're looking for areas where the audiences are shifting more than looking at places where the audience have been.
2: Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. Okay, so let's make an assumption here, and I'm going to lead you into a conversation where you're going to buy my company. <laughs> podcasting hits the hundred million monthly active user threshold. And you're like, we got to go buy a podcast company. Now that can be a podcast advertising company. It can be a production company. It could be an agency. It could be the biggest podcast in the United States. And you're just buying media. How do you figure out how to pick a channel or a vendor type within a vertical?
1: So because Tenuity is an agency, we're going to look at agencies first, right? Cause our job is to connect brands with media to connect with audiences. And we figure out through our media buying and our audience finding how to do that at scale. And so when we're looking at podcasting, would you ask the question, who are the largest buyers of podcast media and how are they doing it? And are they effective at helping to drive measurable growth for their clients? And if we can kind of tell that story understand that story then we want to have a conversation now because we're on media we're focused on the paid media side but another agency that's focused more on kind of communications in general might have a different view of that they might look at the space and say our job is to be able to tell stories and connect with consumers on platforms and so they might look at who are the companies that are creating podcasts for brands or podcasts for products and growing it that way and so Our lens will always be media first. We wanna understand what the media opportunity is to connect brands with audiences. And then from there, we can kind of figure out where we wanna make an investment or an acquisition.
2: I guess the million dollar question here is, okay, you go into podcasting, you decide you're going after an agency, some sort of media buying company. How do you think about what the valuations should be? You've got a company that's in a space that has 100 million active users. They've got all the great relationships that you would want. They have innovative products They can help basically plug your existing customers into a new medium. $10 million of revenue a year. Do you just take a top line multiplier and call it a day? Or what are you doing to figure out the valuation?
1: It is not as hard as people make it seem, And I will say as someone that's been fortunate enough to have done my deal, the Tenuity deal, and then acquired three businesses for Tenuity, that at least from a private equity perspective, the components of what make a good deal and how a deal comes together are fairly clear you're talking about tech and public markets, that's not my space. I'm not the right person to talk to about that. But when it comes to corporate development, what we look for are three core components. Number one is EBITDA. Is the company profitable? I don't really care about revenue, but I care about profit. How much of those dollars are coming down into the bottom line? You know, whether that's seller adjusted earnings or EBITDA, we'll take it to a quality of earnings where an accounting team will say what's real and what's not. We'll understand EBITDA. The next piece is growth. How fast is this company growing year over year? Is EBITDA growing at 1%, 5%, or 50%? We wanna see that. The higher the EBITDA, the higher the multiple, the higher the growth, the higher the multiple. Then finally, the last core component in terms of valuation is client retention. How many of the same users or buyers of the product are coming back again and again and again to continue to buy that service? A low churn, high valuation, high churn, lower valuation. Those are the three components that matter everything else, at least from a PE perspective, at least from a quantitative perspective, are less important. Then obviously you get into like some of the softer stuff like cultural fits and things of that nature, making sure there's alignment and vision. But those three components are going kind to of be the largest driver of your valuation, at least from private equity style buyers.
2: I'll preface this with this is a self-serving question, and I'll frame it with the information that I have. Somebody came to us and said, we want to acquire your agency. I hear everything does podcast production for brands, and I don't know if I would call this an agency, but they did. And they said the standard acquisition is one to three times EBITDA. I actually think it's three to five times EBITDA, but they were looking for a deal for an agency, a service-based company. And then for a media company, it's three to five times revenue, and a tech company, a SaaS company is five to eight times revenue. First off, are those numbers nuts? Is it all just like, oh, you're a service business or you're a SaaS company, so your EBITDA, what trickles down to the bottom, is worth more?
1: I don't know if I can curse on your... letter rep. rip. My first instinct was to say that was BS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I really want to say the other word, but I'll keep it PG for everybody, but... From my perspective and my experience, and I see a very limited set of the world. I'll go ahead and say that. I've only been in the MA space as an operator and now as somebody that does deals for five years. And so like, let's preface it with that. The difference between a software company and a service company is less in the label and more in the retention of revenue. If you have a software company that makes a million dollars but you churn half of your customers every single year, versus a service company that makes a million dollars that keeps 99% of their customers or actually has growth because customers buy more every year, the service company is worth more. And I know that the allure of software companies because of public market valuations, although that's changed because we're no longer in a zero interest rate environment is that you don't need to worry about profitability, but growth at all costs. You can grow and you can scale and your bottom line doesn't matter. I think we're beyond those days. And at the end of the day, because of the way that private markets work and the way that public markets are not valuing companies and the way that debt works, your profitability and the stickiness of that revenue matter more than anything else. And if you have a software company that doesn't make money, I don't care if you make $100 million or $50 million or $1, a company that makes money at some point in time is going to be more valuable than a company that doesn't. And I'm more than happy to get in a Twitter battle with anybody that wants to talk about that. But from my experience, that's what I've seen.
2: What a relief because I've been sitting here saying, I don't know if we're an agency, a media company or a SaaS company, we use technology and we record and, and sometimes own the IP for media. And then we provide a service to our customers to produce a podcast. I don't know if we're a producer or if it's a SaaS company. And figuring out the valuation for that type of business, I can't be the only one here, mostly as a solopreneur running a small business, like thinking about an exit down the road. It's very confusing because we all want to be billion-dollar tech companies, right? Wouldn't that be great?
1: Yeah, but I would say for the solopreneur and the non-venture-backed companies that aren't shooting for public exits, you're most likely is a private equity company or a private company, and they're going to underwrite your business based on cash flow. And that's what any, I would tell any operator that's not venture back to focus on.
2: When it comes down to it, what trickles out the bottom line is what really matters the most, whether you're taking the cash yourself or whether you're selling the business to somebody else. That's what really drives your exit. And if you're thinking about marketing or mergers and acquisition as a growth, that's how you're evaluating the business as well. Nee, always good to sit down with you. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Congratulations on all your success and excited to hear about what's next and the next big acquisition for Tunity.
1: Awesome. Always oh, a great time, man. All right. That wraps up this
2: episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Niahani, Ahani, Chief Strategy Officer at Tenuity for joining us. If you'd like to hear more from Ni, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Ni underscore Ahani. That's N-I-I underscore A-H-E-N-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is tenuity.com, T-I-N-U-I-T-I.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the Martech podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. -J Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P.